0: Good morning, noon and night. How are you guys doing? It is I, Ryan, the producer of the Building Gray Sales Team's podcast. We have another best of episode for you. We're going to be tackling the month of January in 2023. Uh, So I'm going to hit this intro and let's get started. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. So, Like I always do when we do these best of episodes, I like to highlight a couple of people who I think really, really, really helped our audience in the month that they were doing it. In the month of January, we have some awesome, awesome guests, Um, and I'm going to highlight three. I'm going to highlight Anne C, Ravi Rajani, and Taylor T.J. Nelson. Um, Those are all phenomenal episodes um, that you should definitely go check out whenever you get the chance. But I wanted to highlight a couple of things that they said in those episodes that I think would help our audience as a whole to reiterate into their lives. Okay, So the first person we have is going to be Anne Siege. Okay, So what she talked about was um, the start of the episode was being a mompreneur, meaning someone who is a mom, who is an entrepreneur, who is handling both of those and is uh, tackling it. She's no longer that because her kids are are grown and they are out of the house doing what they're doing. They're, they're uh, still in business together, but what stood out to me was when and how she got her children involved with the business. So let's go ahead and take a look at that.
1: Um, so yeah, really the story of the mompreneur. So, okay. Now that that little preface there, basically I do not like the mindset of kids getting handouts. Uh, basically it was oh so you want what what is it that you want okay great let's find a way for you to earn that and so um, I'll just use as an example when I did Avon um, so this is a younger generation I'm going to gather primarily your audience but um, there's a company called Avon and they did direct sales and and still do and so my young sons would go with me so we would do these doorknobbers which you just hang these plastic bags. This is like in the old, do you remember the world, the physical world where you actually did these kinds yeah. of things? Yeah, that world. Well,
2: all of my organizations, all of my sales teams uh, are built on door-to-door or even like B2B, it's been door-to-door, you know what I'm
1: door-to-door saying? Door-to-door is the best. And that that's what I started with. And there is no replacing that because you gotta be, ballsy, gutsy, whatever you want to call it, that (laughs) you don't get to run and hide behind your screen. No, you're going to knock on the door. They're going to peer through and go, oh, Fred, do we really want to answer that? And the whole little thing that unfolds. So anyways, um, so I did that, but I'll just say, so if they needed something, I'll even go so far as to say, when they always needed braces, I said, do you you want braces? He said, yeah. And I said, okay, great. We'll find a way to earn money to pay for those braces. So I basically, as a quote unquote mompreneur, my philosophy was always to let them know if you want something, you gotta go out and get it. That's how the real world works. Not Mm -hmm. have mommy and daddy hand out. It's not like we didn't give them gifts and this kind of stuff, but. Hey, it looks like you can, you're able bodied. I think you can work. And personally, I think we withhold giving responsibility to children and we treat them like babies, nigh into, you know through high school. And it's like, no, they're actually much more capable than we give them credit for. So the first hire I had was my youngest son when he was in seventh grade. I homeschooled for 12 years. So I get to be the principal and decide what was important and it was business. Fantastic. So yeah, so with David I said, because it was basically a low value activity as you try you sort through your high value and low value. Mm-hmm. It was my lead processing. And at that time we were sending out a, a collateral marketing piece, which was a um i'm trying to remember no by that time we're at cds yeah i think we were at cds by this time (laughs) (laughs) not cassette tapes so your group probably never dealt with the cassette tapes but anyways i did you you did 37 i
2: had cassette tapes i remember i had a michael jackson cassette tape yeah
1: okay you're one year younger (laughs) than my eldest son by the way (laughs) so in any case um so I said, hey, David, you know, I'd like to hire you for this position. So I was going to pay him because it was valuable work. Mm-hmm. And then he I trained him up. Boom, look at He learned to do it much faster and more proficiently than me here. I just approved one of his our uh, one of our content pieces for a upcoming webinar next week for his. The uh, it was that outro that I said the CTA. That's not quite right. Anyway, so here he went from in seventh grade processing my leads by the mailer you know, just the print out Mm -hmm. the letter, do-do-do and all that kind of thing. And now he does all the video creatives and whatnot. So um, basically it was that I gave them a lot of responsibility. I don't want to raise babies. You know, I want to raise them so they can learn fast. So my son became the top affiliate marketer by age 20 or so for Get Response, um, Best Western, Walmart. It was through Google AdWords. Wow. And basically, so I got exposed to Robert Kiyosaki and I said, okay, you should read every book this guy has written. And then he started to do businesses. And I said, you know what? I don't care if you succeed or not. That's not what I'm, look- that's not what I'm concerned about. It's what you're gonna learn from it. Mm-hmm. And so basically I gave him the freedom to try a lot of things in high school good time to do it and then we partnered up officially when he was 21 i had gone on to learn direct sales online and he was still he was studying gary halbert and and, and top copywriters and all that kind of thing then he had a really bad motorcycle accident he had come in and move with us because he was a terrible road rash whatnot and then i said you know you should really think about coming to work with me and he said think about that and then he said yeah and so that was uh 2000 uh 2005 it was that summer wiped mm-hmm. out july 19th think the was. so anyway so that accident led to him then subsequently we joined forces as a mom and son team so uh, i guess you are getting a bigger mompreneur story here
2: <laughs> <laughs> no it's fantastic and there's a ton of alignment there because you know my wife uh she's been the wife of an entrepreneur for 12 years Uh, Before this past year. So she was a uh, school teacher on and off. She stayed home with the kids often because my business afforded us to do that. But just this year, because of everything that's been going on in the education system, she decided to open up her own tutoring business.
1: Oh, good for her.
2: She has a physical location with a classroom, and she's got clients coming in and doing, and they're uh, homeschool parents that come in for kind of that extra. You know, if they're having issues with math or having issues with reading, yes. it kind of, she kind of gives them that extra uh, push that they need in order to complete their studies. Yeah,
1: Congratulations and, uh, for your wife for that. Yeah,
2: she's crushing it. She's crushing it. So there's a lot of alignment there in the sense that whenever our kids, our kids want something, we definitely make them work for it. Now, yeah. I haven't integrated them into the business yet, which oh. my daughter has shown a lot of interest and my son's all about, You know, he's doing plays and he's being an actor and he's being a creative, you know what I mean? Uh But my daughter's already shown interest. So I think Uh it's the right time to start incorporating her.
0: So Anna was talking about how she was incorporating her son into the business that she was doing. Right. Start them early. If they wanted something, she would. Find ways that they can work to get even down to um, what some might call needs, such as the braces. She wanted to instill in her children that the world is not just going to hand something to you. And I think that is super important whenever you are um, training Salespeople, as well as young entrepreneurs, and building great people as you build your great teams. The world is not going to hand it to you. You need to be willing to put in that work and going out and getting it. The next person that I want to highlight on this episode is going to be Ravi Rajani, and he is going to be talking about story selling. Um, One thing that people tend to shy away from is the storytelling aspect that comes with selling a product. Yes, some people may be put off on hearing a story, but I think Ravi and Doug discuss how you can take um, those people and make them susceptible to your story, okay, and how you use stories in your selling process effectively. Let's take a look
3: appeal to that logical decision-maker. Well, it could be something very, very focused, which gets straight at a punchline, and then you reverse engineer the story from there, or you provide a hard-hitting statistic which captures that person's attention so they're more susceptible to hearing that story. But a lot of the time, the beauty is somebody not knowing that you're sharing a story. So if you say, well, Doug, this reminds me of that time when we story. Right. Or (laughs) if or or somebody thinks that's a story. Or, Doug, right? If I said to you, Let me tell you a story, what happens? You start seizing up and you're like, I don't have 20 minutes. Right. I don't (laughs) don't have time for this. Exactly. So I think the art really is learning how to embed a story into, say, a demo and doing it in a way that feels seamless. And I've got five steps I can um talk you through now, but I'm going to pause breath for a pause for breath for a second. Mm -hmm. What do you think? So
2: I think that the alligator can basically become, can alter those personality types a little bit. They may be an alligator initially. Yes. Once you loosen them up a little bit, or they may be a fighter initially, once you loosen them up a a little bit, you might realize that, Hey, we have a connection here. And if I focus on this area, then they're not they're gonna at least reduce the fighter front that they have you know you bring that wall down a little bit i'm with you brother it makes a lot of sense yeah and then if you catch them when they're hangry or you catch them when they're right in the middle of something that that fighter increases in them you know what i mean and so i could see see how you could kind of uh bring that wall down and then be able to sell to a fighter through storytelling because it's something that they're actually interested in you know at that point
3: That's right, brother. And and I'm really with you on that. You know, if I look at my childhood, if I was asking my dad for something, the argument that I would have to present would be very different, right? My dad's an accountant, right? So it was very numbers driven and it was different. It didn't mean that he wasn't susceptible to storytelling, but my mom was a lot more like, tell me the story, right? And she would really be driven by her gut instinct. So I, do de- I, I don't believe everybody is exactly the same. I do feel like there's a spectrum and people are mm-hmm. skewed sometimes. But I think what I was trying to, I suppose, get across with that story is, is it, the biggest objection is, is storytellism doesn't work for analytical decision makers. And I think that right. is the problem when it's in absolutes. But um, yeah, man, it's a, it's, it's a fascinating world. And when it comes to embedding a story, I talk about, a few steps, which sales reps can do, so it doesn't feel like a story. Would you be open to me sharing that with the audience? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is, is that the story selling framework? Um, I've oh, I've got that, and I can I can actually walk that through. Uh, okay. walk you through that in a second. But um, sure. what when it comes to the steps, though, for actually embedding a story, the first thing yeah. I really get people to think about is extracting the villain in a buyer's story. So that's really sitting there being very focused on having a human to human conversation, doing effective discovery and understanding what, not what the pain is, but the underlying root cause, AKA the million dollar problem. And once you've extracted that, it's moving to step two, which is having the prospect admit that that problem exists, understanding and acknowledging the magnitude of it and saying, hey, I actually wanna be helped with this problem because I can tell you what, Have you, if you've ever got a friend that you've tried to help and they don't wanna be helped, it's not gonna happen, right? Right. So you need to make sure that they wanna be helped. Step three is in asking an open-ended question, which requires a story as a response. So I'll give an example, Doug. Doug, if I told you, or if I asked you the question, hey man, how long have you struggled with that challenge? You'd say one year, two years, three years. But if I say, Doug, man, can you tell me about the moment where you were like, whoa, this is a big problem for me? So now you're going to give me a story as a response because your mind is going back in time to that moment. And now you're going to deliver that to me. And then I follow up with a follow up question, right? As step four to go deep in something that i picked up maybe it's a non-verbal cue and when you said the word cfo your cfo i could see in your tone that there was something there like tell me more about that what how's that relation going whatever it could be like something that you've picked up on which makes them feel understood then Then you move to sharing, for example, a 90-second customer success story, which is about somebody who has a similar DNA to them that you've helped go from pain to glory. So you've got to be very mindful of when you share a story versus, oh, my God, yeah, I've experienced that. When we help my – whoa, I've got to think about the right time. So, yeah, that's my process for embedding a story. Yeah, there's when you just hit them with,
2: oh, we could solve that, there's no empathy there. You know what that's I mean? It. And, and that's the way most people respond. Is like, Oh, I've got a, I've got a, uh, a rebuttal for that. You know, oh, I yeah. hate using the word rebuttal because the way it comes off of the tongue, you know what I mean? It's rebuttal. So it's like rebuke.
3: It's very similar to rebuke. That's the last thing yeah. you want to do to a prospect, right? Yeah, bro. And look, man, I've, uh, my, the way I think about selling has shifted so much over the years. And I think sometimes Mm -hmm. we need to know, we need to experience bad to know what good looks like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, otherwise you don't know what good looks like. And it's really funny um, going back on that point of just hitting somebody with something. Doug, imagine after this conversation, right? Mm-hmm. You call me tomorrow and you're like, "Rad, man, listen, I didn't want to tell you yesterday, but I feel like I can talk to you about this, but man, there's something going on with my wife, man. Like there's like, we have just not been getting on recently. And, and I go, I don't ask any questions. I just say, Doug, I remember when I went through something similar, you'd be like, whoa, this isn't about you, man. Like I'm coming to you, uh, like divulging this information. I want to feel heard by you. So it's very similar in a sales process. Somebody divulges their deepest, darkest problems and you just start making it about you. It's going to create a disconnect. And we,
2: you know, it's in our, it's in our human DNA to help others, right? And so yeah. too often we try and help others by saying, well, I did this or I did that and instead of just listening first. Right. It's it's the classic husband and wife tale. Husband's always trying to solve the problem. Wife's just trying to get somebody to listen to her. Right. And so I think that applies to that mentor mentor or mentee relationship too. or somebody reaches out to you for help and you immediately try and solve their problem instead of like, hey, let's live in this a little bit so we can experience that pain. And that way, the glory is going to be that much greater, especially with customers.
0: What Ravi and Doug were talking about was making sure you get to a point where with your customers and with people that you're trying to help in this business, that you don't shy away from getting to that story. Because what it does is it gives them a connection to the product, right? But you also don't want to go in and start off as if you are... Trying to tell them that story, right? You want it to be natural. You want it to be you hearing what they have to say, you letting them tell a story, you you engaging with them back and forth to where now it just seems right that they go with your product. You, you're able to help them. You're able to share the story of how you help somebody else and then so on and so forth, right? So the last clip that I want to talk about is Mr... Taylor T.J. Nelson, right? He just recently released a book called Walk the Lime. We talked about it in that in his episode. It was really good. Um, uh, but in this clip, we're focusing on two major things, right? That, that's why I chose this particular clip. It focuses on two major things. The first one is going to be doing, doing what you're going to do and then talking about it later um, to where you're not just – you know, blowing smoke up people's rear ends. But you are saying, hey, I'm going to do this in yourself and then accomplishing it and then showing, hey, this is my accomplishment versus just saying stuff and then not accomplishing it. And then the second half, we talk a little bit about recruiting so we can get a little bit more tactical on this episode. Let's take a look.
4: Did and tell you what I'm going to do. Because mm-hmm. I feel like if you tell everyone what you're going to do, you get that dopamine fix. You're getting mm-hmm. you're getting high off telling everyone that, so you're less likely to do it. And then if you don't do it, then people don't trust you anymore. Like it's all these salespeople come to me. Oh, I'm going to kill it this month. I'm going to sell all this. Yeah. I just like, okay, cool. Well, at the end of the month, I'll look at the leaderboard, right? And I would rather, instead of being a salesperson who says, hey, I'm going to sell like crazy in January, I would rather go sell like crazy and be like, look what I just did in January. Mm -hmm. And then are like, holy shit, this person just takes action. They're not just talking all the time.
2: Yeah, I completely understand what you're saying is we, we see it all the time in our circles, you know, these guys come in the groups and tell us everything they're going to do and how they're going to blow up their business and all that type of stuff. And then three months later, they're not in the group anymore. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, what happened? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. You know there's there's another side to it though you know and i'm i'm completely guilty of it because you know i i struggle with discipline you know that, that's that been a tough thing for me and so if you know like when i did my marathon i i had posted about it maybe like six months ago that i was going to do a marathon that was my target that was my goal you know what i mean and this is why i was doing it kind of thing and what that did for me is it created accountability you know what i'm saying that and, I, and yep. you know i'm that person that's like and i was I, I was i didn't train right i was overweight when i ran that marathon but i still ran the fucking thing because i told everybody i was going to you know what I'm saying <laughs> and so there's i guess there's two sides of that coin but you know in the sales world yeah you know yeah. what i'm saying because sales people come um, and squawk in or new people who get recruited in and it was like i've heard this a million times you know
4: <laughs> yeah no there's definitely i think um you always want to have leverage and accountability, right? No leverage, no chance um, in order to do the behavior because you need you need it more painful to not do the behavior than it is to do the behavior. So I'm not saying don't tell anyone anything ever, but instead of just blowing all the smoke, like I'm going to sell 15, I'm going to sell 20 this month and blah, blah, blah. Be like, hey, I'm going to knock 600 doors this week. Um, oh, yeah. I, want, I want help. Um, I need to knock hundred doors a day. If I don't knock a hundred doors a day, then I'll give you a hundred bucks or whatever it is. And then there's a hundred pushups at the meeting the next day. <laughs> yeah. Then there's leverage and accountability on the behavior. And then the 15 will come as a result, but it's just like, there's too much blow and smoke. Like instead of you being like, Oh, I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to do it in three hours and 30 seconds. I'm the man and you're <laughs> that everywhere. Right. Um yeah, yeah, that's, that's more of what I meant.
2: Yeah, for sure, brother. All right, so let's talk recruiting a little bit. So one of you know one of the the metrics that I kept an eye on when I had the large sales teams and different offices and stuff like that was uh, the recruiting piece, the turnover piece. So being in door to door, turnover is typically high. I have a hunch here, I've not asked you about this before, but I have a hunch here that your turnover is considerably low for the industry. So yes. can you kind of walk us through what that turnover is like and how you're able to,
4: mm-hmm. to manage that? So, uh, people that make it to their first five deals, is very high. And as far as the company, we have people who've been here four years, as long as a company, we have a bunch of people been here three years, even more two years. <laughs> So once people um, get a little bit of success, they never leave. Um, As far as brand new people, I actually have a system where we go, cool, we put them through orientation training, we do a group knock, we go, go knock a door. Once you've actually set an appointment, then we'll send you your contract and get you onboarded just because so many people, when they taste the doors, they quit. Mm -hmm. So I don't know my exact turnover on... Brand new hires, and then they go their first day, and then they're no longer here. But if they've yeah. been here for any amount of time, they almost never leave.
2: Absolutely, and I love that you said the first five sales because that, yeah, especially in solar. You know, in cable, we we tracked to the first five sales, uh, recruiting wise, because we we went back to the source we looked at okay you know is it social media is it referral is it uh wise hire is it indeed whatever the source was then we tracked the the five sale rate at that source so we knew okay what's our best source we can invest more there all right we're not getting the volume so we've got to invest in the lower quality source whatever the case is and so mm-hmm. it got very technical at that point mm-hmm. But when you do that, when you track those things, then you're you're able to pull those metrics, you know, and really understand. Okay, mm-hmm. where do I want to invest? I need higher quality salespeople. Yep. I'll invest here. I need more volume. I'll invest here. Whatever the case is. So,
4: yep. Um, yeah, I have those numbers. It's a certain amount don't show up to training, and some some mm-hmm. do. Uh, so I can look at that. But um, it is cool because our recruiting sucked. But in the last few months, I went to that recruiting seminar, we hired this agency, we're doing all sorts of cool stuff. So now it's like people are just yeah. out coming in. So we were at the 450 net kilowatts per month for a while. But this year, this year is the year it's gonna finally take off because I recognized, hey, we have everything but our recruiting's weak. As long, as, if we improve our recruiting, then we win. So that's why this year is gonna be exciting
2: two major points too, and just to double down on what you're saying the first one is you said now we're really going to blow it up you know most companies they're doing 500 kilowatts in that a month they're like freaking buying lambos you know what I mean? <laughs> and so that's i love your perspective on that i mean i think that's important that that's not enough for you you know what i mean complacency is a tool sometimes and then the second piece is what you said about recruiting it's 100 percent true you know i i spent my first three years in business super focused on all the metrics except recruiting and as soon as i focused on recruiting and filled yeah. that budget up i tripled my budget then all of a sudden i had triple the sales people doesn't always work out like that but when you have a good system in place you can kind of call your show
0: Like I said, two points that we touched on in that clip. The first thing is do what you're going to do and then just get it done. Right. You want that motivation to do it, to come from, yes, tell people, but make sure you're telling them not because you want that dopamine hit prior to accomplishing the goal, but you tell them so you can have accountability and then when you accomplish that goal, that dopamine hit is going to be so much bigger. It's going to be so much bigger than it was before you, you know, you did it or before you, <laughs> you get what I'm saying, before you did it, right? Um, and the next thing was recruiting. Recruiting is super important, making sure that you have your metrics, Tied to everything that you're doing In recruiting so that way you you, Things that get improved Are things that get measured Thank you guys again for Hanging out with me As we do these best of episodes and the best of January, we really do appreciate you guys sticking around for as much as you guys stick around for it is super, super, super cool that you guys like to check us out every week, three times a week, uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Right now we have a group consulting that is going on. Um, there's still time to sign up for that. It will get started on April 5th. So you have until April 5th to get started on to get signed up for our group consulting with Doug and the team. And you will be tremendously happy that you did. Your salespeople will be tremendously happy that you did. And we would love to see your business grow as you grow with us. Um, as always, it has been fun. Like, share, subscribe. And we will see you on the next one. Let's get building. thank you for joining us on this episode of the building great sales teams podcast we really do appreciate it as you know we believe that great leaders build great teams how do you become a great leader you learn from the greats join us at the million dollar mastermind put on by ryan Stuman in frisco texas and learn everything that you need to learn to be that great leader The link will be in the description below. As always, we ask that you like, share, and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts so you can stay up to date with the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. Let's get building.